go, it's your man Chris Mallon, and you're listening to Heart of the Game. Today, our guest is an innovator in utilizing tech for player and business development in the world of sports. He was instrumental in bringing augmented reality into pro sports. He's appeared on ESPN, SI Now, Fox Business, Bloomberg, and currently a partner at Lelix Prime AI. Brendan Riley, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Brendan, most people who want to work in sports graduate college and say they want to work for a team or coach. You went an entirely different path, a very risky path and said, I want to be an entrepreneur in sports business and be part of creating something new. That's pretty incredible. Can you take us through some of your motivations and how you got to that point? Yeah. So when I was, it was kind of the, the, if you think of it as like the flame that started my entrepreneurial journey um, was I, it was actually in grad school and shout out to Nels Pop and uh, uh, Chad McAvoy. Um, um, So what they had us do, I don't know if you remember this, but what they had us do was um, like give a presentation about bringing a sports team to Vegas. And at the time, I was like the lowest level assistant coach um, for the men's basketball team. And so I thought like at at that time, I was like, you know, I'm kind of just going to grad school because they're going to pay for it. Um, but what I learned through that, that process, I remember I had to get up in front of a room full of people and we had some other, you know, uh, team members and we had to convince the, uh, people in the room that there was, you know, there was like a arena football league owner or GM and there's a minor league hockey and minor league baseball. And so it was like kind of nerve nerve wracking. And we had to convince them that they were league and team owners in Vegas. And our job was to convince them that they need to move their team to Vegas. It was something like that. And I remember getting out of that uh, experience and being like, I've had more fun in the last 10 minutes delivering that pitch and delivering and, and preparing it and like really um, learning how to communicate uh, a value proposition in, in, in the business of sports. I had more fun doing that than like anything I had done as a coach. And, you know, you know, from recruiting to, uh, it, to scouting to, to the games themselves. The games themselves were, were pretty fun. But I, I, it was just like that little tiny snapshot. I was like, how do I do more of that? And then, you know, I always say to people, you don't, you, so here, here I am in the middle of Illinois and, um, and within like a, a six month time period, wind up in California in Southern California, um, working in virtual reality, selling multimillion dollar, um, systems in between there. I had a, a small stint with the Kansas city Royals and I was, I was a ticket salesman. Like I literally, that's all I did. It was just pound the phone and you like leave work and you're like, you have cotton mouth. Cause you're just so, you know, yeah. you're just so just crushing the tough job but it it was kind of like that experience at illinois state and and actually i had a great uh the coach at the time was this guy tim jankovich he's now at smu and like he was so supportive and i just remember him like it was a big deal for me to like leave coaching that was my that was my dream that's what i thought i wanted to do and it's a it's a like a really close-knit brotherhood that you know you work long hours and you um sacrifice a lot of family time and stuff like that so you get to know each other really well 
and I looked up to Coach Shank as a, you know, a mentor. And I remember him kind of telling me, like, I, I, I said, Coach, I got this kind of crazy idea that, you know, all the players in today's world, they, you know, if you look at how surgeons train or if you look at how, like, Navy SEALs train, they use virtual reality as part of, like, their training process. But, none of like no one's doing that with athletes and and i think because more often than not whether i was at university of kansas or or illinois state like i was the scout team point guard and for those that aren't you know that can't see me on the podcast i'm like a five nine slow white dude who can't jump that's not a good scout team point guard (laughs) so i was like there's got to be a way to like you know enhance the the training experience and um, coach Jank was, he was kind of the first one to, to really like say, you listen, man, you're young. You, you have, you don't have family, like go make, go tr- try to make plays, like go out there and just like try to make something happen. And, um, same thing with the, the advisors. I remember, um, actually a, a conversation with actually, it was Chad McAvoy. He was like, I feel like if you don't take this opportunity, you, you're, you're just gonna like really regret it down the road. And like, those like really, those things like really stuck with me. So I went and uh, I, I took a detour at the Kansas City Royals. Um, a buddy from grad school, he was working there, and he kind of um, helped, you know, get me to the front of that line, and, and I interviewed well and, and got the job and um, did that. And I was like, you know, this selling thing, I, I think I could be good at that. I think I, um, I, I, I kind of saw kind of how the game was played and went from selling like $7 you know, upper, and this is when the Royals were like terrible. This is, I did not get to enjoy any of the fruits of, um, you know, their world series wins. But so, you know, I'm trying to sell $7 tickets in the upper, 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 upper echelon of the stadium. And then oh, literally overnight, I moved to California. I partnered with a group that was doing virtual reality simulation in the uh, energy and, and oil and gas industry. And, um, they were like, they kind of were like, I don't know, this crazy guy thinks that we can make money doing this for sports. Um, come work for us. You seem like you're driven. Come work for us. So was, was that Eon sports VR? Is that, is that who that was? Yeah. So we, I started two years working for them as a, as like a business developer, a sales guy. And they were kind of like, if you can ever sell this, if you can ever get anyone to buy, you know, buy into this, then we, then we know that there's probably a market here. So prove, put your money where your mouth is and prove it. Anyone can go raise money, but we want you to put your money where your mouth is and actually execute this. If you can go sell it without it, it, it existing, then we know there's a play. So in like a six month time, I was a college basketball coach. I was slinging $7, you know, hot dog night tickets at the Royals. And then I was selling multi-million dollar virtual reality training systems. Oh and and I was, I was just sitting there and I'm like, this is, this is like, you know, just not even real. It's and, like a movie, man. <laughs> the the like crazy thing is the, the, the crazy thing is like, I think it also, that process has instilled a lot of confidence in, in me and, and, and like now employees that I hire, I'm like, like, there's no difference in selling. Truly. This is the, this is not me like hyping it up. There's no difference in selling a, multi-million dollar system, you know, and a $7 ticket. It's all about like finding where can I add value to the person that I'm trying to add value to. And like, once you grasp that and you realize that 
numbers are, or zeros are just zeros on a spreadsheet, then you're not like the number, the amount of zeros after a number doesn't really like phase you anymore. So it was, you know, I learned a lot through that, those six months and then, um, got, uh, was able to actually, um, sell the, this, this concept. And oh my gosh, I can't, I literally drove around the country and I met with probably I met with every coach in the big 12, like the head coach and, and sometimes the athletics director. Um, and it was just, I would cold call my and bully my way in. There was no, the guys that like, get, you know, at Notre Were Dame. Were people receptive at, to it or, or no? Was it, was it a tough I, sell at, at first? You know, virtual reality in college football became a thing, but it, it was, this was, we were the first one. So it was like, what? You're going to do what? And, and so it was like, there's a companies that had tried it like previous years, but the graphics were really bad and, and the systems were really bad. So everyone kind of had a bad taste, but they were interested enough that they were that, you know, like Auburn or, um, you know, uh, NC State or, or Tennessee or whoever I would meet with, they would be like, uh, this is okay. We'll just see what this guy has. And I would drive from school to school. I would go on like 18 hour driving binges cause I had no money. And I was like, literally, uh, we, we, once we kicked this company off, um, we treated it like, you know, it needs to eat what it kills. And we eventually took on some angel funding, but it was really in the early days that I literally was driving from like my home and well at the time in California, but then I moved back to Kansas city. So in Kansas city, I would drive like down to Oklahoma state and hit, you know, the Oklahoma state Cowboys drive over to uh, Oklahoma Sooners and then be down in, in like Lubbock that evening for a 7am meeting in Lubbock, drive all the way over to, um, you know, Dallas for a meeting with SMU and TCU and then book it out to like try to hit the sec schools. And so it was, wow. You racked it up was, some serious miles, man. That's a, oh, that's a lot of driving. Yeah, it taught me that um, – it, it, it taught me – well, it, it taught me perseverance, but I think more than anything, it taught me get, as, get funds in your company so you can take planes. You don't have to, yeah. you don't have to drive around like that. <laughs> um, but that's how we started. I remember probably the meeting that, like, always cracks me up is I remember I, went, I got into USC – and Lane Kiffin was the coach at the time. And for the one year there, that he was there, right? He was like there all in one year before they kicked him out. I think. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, yeah, it was before he, he had left. And I was, he's sitting there and he's, he's, he, he actually is a really nice guy. Like, you know, I kind of had some preconceived notions and media kind of paints him sure. a specific way. But in my interactions with him, he was really super nice guy. And um, very laid back, kind of very SoCal. And he was like, well, come on in, Brendan, you know. And he's like, you know, show me what you got. And so I didn't have anything. Like, I, I, I had uh, artists, cre- actually buddies from college, um, create, like, Photoshop images of what the, this – to sell the concept. Because it was before virtual reality was, like, in a headset. It was, like, we actually installed these, like, big rooms. Okay. And – so not, not like now you have your phone where you can do like the Samsung, I don't even know, it's the Oculus or whatever they call it. Yeah. You just put it up to your face. So no, nothing, that didn't exist yet. Didn't even exist. So we were literally selling these like extremely, extremely expensive 
setups that were like entire rooms. Like, you know, I think it was like 20 feet by 20 feet rooms with projectors and motion tracking systems. And um, <laughs> I remember I'm sitting there and it's kind of getting to make it break at time. I, I need to get a couple wins at this point of the game. Um, and Lane Kifton, Kiffin was on his phone like literally the whole time and I'm like yeah what a what a dickhead you know yeah, like, this guy's not paying attention to me at all yeah. I'm, I'm gonna miss out on this again okay and, and, and in the middle of it I'm showing him like you know photoshop renderings that my buddy from college did and I'm showing him um what else I oh like oil and gas rig virtual reality simulations like ah you gotta use your imagination here's what we did then and here's what we can do with football and in the middle of it, he just cuts me off and he's like, okay, sorry, I, sorry, I, I just had to handle some recruiting stuff. And he just looked at me and he goes, um, hold on really quick. And he starts making a phone call. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the rudest anyone has ever been to me in my entire life. And I was, I was like, <laughs> kind of pissed. I'm not kind of, I was really mad. I was going to walk out. Sure. And he, yeah. he goes, he, he gets on the phone with the AD um, and he goes, Hey, are you in the building? This is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And and I was like, ah, okay, we're on to something. This wow. is like so that was kind of the first like I'd say real like kick like that was before we had anybody buy into it. And I was like, you know, that is really fascinating to 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 get that type of reaction within 30 minutes of this guy. And then we went on to work with a lot of college football teams, worked with some NFL teams. Um, really found a home um, in Major League Baseball, and and uh, that's where we we made the most. Uh, I'd say the most success uh, was was in Major League Baseball, and then we we even expanded into Japanese baseball and saw um, success there. And so, um, so did you get to go to Japan? Did you travel to Japan and and celebrate no, that too? Or? I unfortunately uh, we that had seems a like guy. that might have that might have been kind of cool if you're able to. <laughs> but like Mr. Baseball, but sports entrepreneur going over there. Tom yeah. Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't have the mustache to, to pull it off, but the, we, one of my, our, 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 uh, he was kind of our guy who ran the entire baseball division. He, his name's Simon. He, he went and he handled um, all of those, but yeah, that was interesting. That was also like, you know, a lot of like, midnight phone calls um it turns out you know when you're providing a solution especially a software that solution that again oh by the way not oculus driven but like big room with motion tracking i mean a lot of a million things could go wrong at that time um and the the, the technologies in kind of infant stages I would get, we'd get calls at like 5 a.m. on a Saturday and I was up at till midnight, you know, with the Japanese team and we get a call at 5 a.m. that the Pittsburgh Pirates can't figure out, you know, their projector settings or something. And it's like, oh my oh, God. So you you we, did, in addition to the sales, you were doing customer service too. Yeah, we like, were a small team in the early days. We, we got to the point that we were able to grow it at, and, and actually it was acquired by a group, um, great group of guys that are, that are running it and, and they're having like, they're in like college, they're in um, youth and, and major league baseball um, in a big way. And I think they've transitioned now with technology. You can put it into a, a VR headset. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, it was, um, you know, a phenomenal learning experience. 
um, not just on how to sell things from nothing, um, but also like how to lead teams, how to um, engage with investors, how to um, set up the right support infrastructure and, and kind of like understand, you know, what, really how to, how to grow a team. And, and I, I think that was my, you know, I didn't love the 16 hour driving that I had to do some days, but it was, um, you, after a while, the, the meeting with the GMs and the coaches that kind of like that luster kind of wore off. They, you know, NFL coaches are kind of, they're all kind of the same and, 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 and MLB, um, GMs are, they're kind of all the same. So you kind of learn how to deal with, uh, different negotiating tactics and, and, uh, different people along the way. Um, but it was, it, it definitely who, was a really good experience. Who was the biggest personality you ever met along? Was there one that really stands oh. out to you? The biggest personality. Like Mike uh, Gundy. I always think we Mike Gundy with the mullet. I'm like, that guy's gotta be, he's gotta be actually, a big personality. I think probably the, the, the peppiest guy. Uh, that I ever met was Dabo Sweeney. Like he was like, he was pretty like, you know, I can he, like, see that. And he was just like all energetic and like dancing rah, rah, in the rah. locker rooms and at the end of the game and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> okay. He, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, I think, you know, I'll say this, the, the person I met along the way that I was the most impressed by and shocked me the most, I guess this, I, I guess this podcast is just me having judgments of people and then finding out they're really great people. Um, but Jason, <laughs> Jason Jambi is like uh, just a phenomenal guy. And I, I like got to know him fairly well. And um, we did a couple projects together and he was just such a nice guy. Went to his house. Um, That's same awesome. Thing with Kurt Warner. But Kurt Warner, you kind of think is a nice guy. Yeah. He, yeah. You know? he did. Yeah. He came um, up from bagging groceries and and the arena football league and to to become an NFL MVP his story is amazing yeah okay yeah. so Jason Giambi that's interesting I, I yeah. wouldn't have thought Giambi yeah nicest the nicest um the nicest guy like just there's no big time hit you know it's funny a, a very few of the the people that I met along the way actually were like you know I'm I'm big time I'm the man you know they were all humble they were all for the most part, um, really like eager to help out. And, and the number one thing that most of them said was that they, they were interested. They were like, listen, I don't need the money. I don't need to get engaged with this because of the money. I'm interested to give back to the game. And I, I heard that from Kurt Warner. I heard that from, um, from Mike Dicka. I heard that from, you know, Jason Giambi. And it was like, truly like, it wasn't like they were like, just like it was behind closed doors. No one was filming us. They didn't have to lie to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they were like, truly like, you know, I'm just really, I honestly am interested in giving back to the game. So I, I you know, there was a lot of personalities on the player side <laughs> that we would uh, have to deal with when it, they'd be like, I want to change this thing in the software. And it's like, what do you call up Apple? If you don't like someone on your iPhone and <laughs> just expect them to change it. So their players, the current players, there was some kind of like, oh god. Yeah. But for the most part, like I'd say, front office and and like retired or, or you know um, personnel like that was, they, they were all great. They were. I, I never walked away with like a, a bad taste in my mouth. So that that's a really unique experience. That's something that um, 
uh, this podcast is all about is the behind the scene experiences that people are having in sports. Certainly your experiences are really cool. Um, you've also appeared on ESPN, SI Now, Fox Business, Bloomberg. Pretty cool. Can, can you talk about some of your experiences <laughs> of being on TV? I mean, that, that ought to be a, a unique experience. Yeah, I'll say um, there's two things that, that kind of, um, I guess, there's two stories that come to mind when I think of um, the, the press whirlwind that I got to be a part of. Um, at the beginning, it's really like, so, well, we'll talk about, um, I, get, I get this call out of nowhere. Like, I don't even know, it just, this guy called me. And he's like, hey, I'm so-and-so producer at ESPN. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, there's no. <laughs> One of my friends is messing with me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, do you think you can be in our studio at 730 in the morning? And, like, when you're running a company and someone from ESPN calls, you, you, I was like, I don't care if I have to run there. I'll, I'll make it happen. Yeah. And, he, and I'm like, it's, it's probably like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like 7:30 Pacific time. I got to hop on a plane and be there. And and I and I, I generally and they were like, hey, we need all these assets. We need all this like um, content from you. Um, to then and, and I had nothing. I, I I didn't have any of that like prepared for in within 16 hours or whatever to to put on national television. Um, and so, it, long story short, they. Uh, I just go to my wife and I was like, babe, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I have to go to California to be on ESPN in the morning. And she just, I mean, she's by then was used to me and just like rolling her eyes, but she's, I just specifically remember her being like, are you sure you need to go? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I need, yeah, this is a need. And she's like, okay, like she's, she's been great our whole marriage. So she just kind of understands and, and, um, was like, all right, well, you know, go, go do a good job. And then I remember I get to this hotel in, in LA at like 1am or whatever. And I've got to be at the studios that, you know, they put makeup on you and stuff at like, I think it was like six o'clock. And I'm like, man, I need, and I'm like a person that I, I need some sleep. I can't just go like no sleep. Yeah. So I'm like, and I get to my hotel, I booked it on Expedia or something and the hotel's locked. It's closed. And it's not like a shady part of town. It's just like the front door is locked and wow. there's, I can, and I'm like, what? Like, and there was some event in LA that like every hotel was closed. I mean, it was nuts. So I, I spent another two hours trying to get a hotel room and I got this like super shady one and, and like, I didn't even want to shower because I was like, ah, oh, man, like I'm going to get a disease yeah, here. Did, and did, here did you I even am. sleep there? I mean, it'd probably slept, be hard to. I slept maybe like a half hour, you know, uh. just like, and I just remember eating like the green room muffins at the, at ESPN and being like, here I am. I stayed at like a $40, you know, a, a night hotel last night. <laughs> and I'm about to go on ESPN and, and I don't even know like if they got my content that they were going to, and it turned out to be great. It was a, a great experience. Um, and it was kind of like that lit the flame for a whole bunch of other, you know, media opportunities. Um, and the other one that is just, I guess, in the vein of behind the scenes stories, 
Um, so I'm, it's called Squawk Alley. It's CNBC's. You're on the you're on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. So that's pretty cool. It was a cool that experience. That is really there. cool. Yeah. And you, anytime you see like CNBC and you see Squawk Alley, you can see you know you can see the actual setup and the you know and everything. And this was a little. I was a little more prepared. Um, and I don't get nervous. Like everyone gets a little nervous when you're on um, in national TV. But I don't like it. Doesn't like clam me up. I, I enjoy it. I, it's something I like. Well, you're, I you're a people person, that. anyways, man. I think you're. I remember because you know the, the audience doesn't know, but uh, Brendan and I went to grad school together. We both went to Illinois State. Shout out to the Redbirds. Um, That's it. But I I always remember Brendan being one of those guys where he could walk into the room and talk to anybody in that room, no matter where they were. Uh, where they were from or, or, or who they were, you know, what, uh, what year they were, if they were a professor or a student, whatever. Uh, uh, so you were always a big personality that could talk to anybody. So it doesn't surprise me that you could walk into that, that, that experience and be like, I got this. I'm a little nervous, but I got this. So that's cool. So you're there on Squawk Alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. So, so, so yeah, I was <laughs> I was on Squawk Out, and it was it was uh, by then I had kind of done the New York and the LA media circuit a couple times, and I appeared on all these shows, and it, it was less it was more something that I was like, hey, I if if I if I can bring like my wife or my mom or someone with me to get to experience it because it's pretty fun and it's you know once in a lifetime kind of deal if you don't work in that industry, and. Um, I brought, <laughs> I brought my mom with me uh, one time because she was actually in New York on vacation. And so it worked out really well that we here we are. I'm going to get this interview. And, you know, um, I'll never forget. And my mom was like really jittery. She was like, she was really nervous. And I, I'm sitting there and it, it, it was kind of nerve wracking because we were going to stream. And now in virtual reality, the, the technology had caught up that you could stream live stream from your phone in a virtual reality headset. But you know, we're on the floor of the stock exchange and they've got all this like wireless protocols. And it was like really, really iffy if it would work and it would kind of ruin the segment if it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, so I'm you didn't know you didn't, you didn't test it beforehand to see if it would work or not. So you, you had no clue. Well, we were, we were, we had tested it, but it kept crashing. Oh. And so, and I had gotten there earlier to test it. Um, I actually got there a lot earlier um, and I was wearing khakis and they told or I was wearing jeans and they told me you can't go on the stock exchange with that was always my outfit jeans and a sport coat and they're like nah you can't get in with that who, so I had to go who, the old who knew that who knew they had a, a dress code there at the stock market I never knew that I, I neither that's, did I but every, <laughs> that's unique I've been there the twice scene. now and I wow. make sure to bring the right pants um, <laughs> <laughs> so so here I am sweating my ass off on you know national tv my pants are like three sizes too tight and I look <laughs> I look over and my suddenly th this like error message that I know is is it's um, it's, it's, it's not an error message, but it looks like it. it pops up. And so it pops up on, on the phone and then it pops up on all the TVs behind us and everyone, the producer. And I just remember my mom, she puts her hands on her head and she's like, giving me this look of just pure terror. Like this, you just oh, blew no. up their segment. And as soon as the guy's like, you know, kind of like you're jumping out of the plane, man. He, he's like, we're live. It worked. And I remember looking over at my mom and <laughs> 
and the, her face was like pure horror and i just remember <laughs> it like freaked me out and i was like it, it kind of knocked me off yeah. my game and i was like okay mom i'm never bringing you to anything <laughs> you made me too, way too nervous that oh man so those yeah. those that experience was uh, was also, it was, it was great. A uh, lot of fun. You know, I will say this though. Um, like I said, I like that. I enjoy it, but, uh, I also learned, you know, for entrepreneurs listening or, you know, people in the sports industry, press doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't always equal sales. <laughs> and I had to learn that the hard way. I got on all these shows and, you know, there's, there's a lot, that can be said for building a resume or building um, a kind of a personal brand. But like, that's not why it was, I wasn't trying to be Gary Vee or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was literally just trying to, to communicate our value as a company. And what I, what I learned was that um, there are things you need to do as a company to prepare yourself for success that can happen if you are set up and, and you get those eyeballs then be prepared to capture them. And I didn't, I didn't get that when I first started, but after doing it for like a year or so, I, I started to like um, better position products, better position product launches and everything to coincide with, you know, actually like a PR strategy that I didn't even know what that was at the time. I was just kind of figuring it out as I went. I was like, you know, there's a smarter way to do this. So I learned a lot, not just on like, you know, that experience of, of life, you know, uh, national exposure, but then also how to, how to execute on it in a way that made sense. Okay. So there's a lot there from what you just said. (laughs) And that is a really incredible insight that you have because most people would think, okay, I'm, all over the place for the press. I've been on all these TV shows. Sales are going to start to pick up, no doubt, right? That's earned media exposure that I'm getting from all of this. Uh, and it didn't happen like that. So you said you had to position the, the product in a certain way, the product launches to coincide with, with uh, press appearances. Is that like, can you yeah. take us through an example of, of how that worked out? So, uh, so initially we were just B2B. So I was just selling to, you know, professional sports teams or, or college sports teams. And it was, you know, I did have some teams reach out, you know, and they were like, Hey, this is really interesting. Can we talk? And that was, that's how we kind of got into the NFL and, and, and had a lot of success there. Um, but the, the thing for me, I would say was like, you know, it doesn't hurt you know, being in that, in the public side that much, that right. only helped. And it only got me indoors that I probably would never have been able to get in um, just on my own. And, and it wasn't like, like there, there's a lot of um, people that came after us that, that were like a consortium of players or coaches and they just called their buddies like, Hey, you know, I didn't have any of that at the, at the start. So it was like, literally the press was my way to get into these doors. Um, and they're like, well, if the guy's on ESPN, you know, we might as well meet with him. Um, so there's something interesting that happens with the human psyche, you know, humans are funny creatures and we are designed to like, when we see, (laughs) when we see people on TV or on a podcast, you know, everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, they think Chris Mallon's like a badass dude. Who's like, (laughs) Oh, oh, you know, media wizard because you've taken the initiative. You've like actually have executed, you know, what is necessary. And no, by the way, they're spending the thing that's most valuable to them, which is their time to listen yeah. to you. And, and so by, by sacrificing our time, 
and devoting it to someone, there's like this like um, author or author uh, authoritarian or authority factor that is yeah. um, naturally happens um, with people. And like so a, a I, brand trust, a brand familiarity, because they they've seen you on ESPN and all, and that provides some. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That provides uh, a reason. That, that provides like a, almost almost like a, a license to say, okay, this guy is legit. This guy is who he says he is. Yep, absolutely. That concludes episode one with Brendan Riley, Mr. Sports Tech. And be sure to check out episode two as Brendan continues to talk to us about the future of sports and technology. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to check out all of the new episodes of Heart of the Game as soon as they are released.